At Baptist Health South Florida, it's our mission to care for you when you're injured or sick and help you stay healthy and fit. Welcome to the Baptist Health Talk podcast, where our respected experts bring you timely, practical health and wellness information to improve your family's quality of life. Welcome Baptist Health Talk podcast listeners. I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Fialco. I'm a preventative cardiologist and lipidologist at the Miami Cardiac and Vascular Institute, where I'm also chief of cardiology at Baptist Hospital and the chief population health officer at Baptist Health South Florida. For those of you who have listened to previous podcasts or seen me in medical practice as a cardiologist, you know I have a particular appreciation for the importance of healthy sleep. While disorders such as obstructive or central sleep apnea or other means of disrupted sleep have cardiovascular consequences, the most common sleep disorder, insomnia, often goes undiagnosed or untreated. Insomnia has a few forms from difficulty falling asleep, waking up too early, or just unable to stay asleep for a full night. To help us recognize insomnia, discuss the health consequences, and tell us what we can do and should not do to treat is Dr. Harneet Walia, Medical Director of Sleep Medicine and Continuous Improvement at Miami Cardiac and Vascular Institute. And Dr. Walia has a clinical practice at Baptist Health South Florida in the Miami Cardiac and Vascular Institute Cardiology Group. Welcome, Harneet. Thank you, Jonathan. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. So uh, insomnia, broad term, people throw it around a lot. How would how would you define or how is insomnia defined? Insomnia is defined as a persistent difficulty in falling asleep, maintaining sleep, or work, waking up earlier than the desired time. And this would happen even when the individual has an opportunity to sleep and should have a daytime consequence associated with it. It could be excessive daytime sleepiness or trouble concentrating or fatigue, impaired attention, drowsy driving. So you mentioned persistent in the word. I mean, anyone can have a night where either something's troubling them or they have an upset stomach or something. Um, when, does, when does it actually become something that you would recommend as a sleep medicine specialist that the person says, you know, I need to get this checked out? When it, it depends if, it de- if the individual has difficulty falling asleep or maintaining sleep and it is causing them some sort of impairment and that is when it becomes a problematic condition and that individual should seek medical attention. So as you mentioned, uh, um, you know, impairment during the day, uh, driving, et cetera. Um, and again, part of, I think, the conversation is to reassure people. So if someone, again, has a project that's due or worried about something with their kid and they have a few sleepless nights, that's not necessarily a fantastic thing, but that's not the same level of what we're talking about as someone who should seek out a sleep medicine specialist. Is that fair to say? Yes. If it is something that's transient and we anticipate that it will resolve on its own, yes, one could sit on it and see. But if it becomes persistent, then that's the time to seek evaluation. Great. And um, what do you find in your practice for people who are referred to you for insomnia? um, Is it generally the individual who's upset by it and feels as a problem or suffering consequences? Uh, does a family member often say, hey, you better get checked out, where it's not just the individual. Is it fair to say it can affect people around them as well? 
Yes, uh, insomnia can really affect the individual in many realms. It can affect their family life. It can affect their vocational life. It can affect their social life. They don't feel alert. They have impairment in the quality of life. Uh, and like I mentioned, they have decreased attention, concentration, alertness, drowsy driving. And sometimes individuals are able to recognize these signs and symptoms, or sometimes the family members may appreciate these symptoms and bring it for evaluation. Um, I've heard you um, discuss as well elsewhere uh, how depression, uh, anxiety, even chronic pain can sometimes present with insomnia and people don't always connect that. Do you find that the insomnia, the sleep component is sometimes ignored when people are either seeking help for these other medical conditions or they don't recognize the other medical conditions? What's the, what's the correlation between insomnia and uh, again, depression and, and chronic pain and, and other types of uh, conditions? Yes, insomnia and uh, the mental disorders oftentimes coexist. And many times insomnia actually precede the development of depression. There are instances when people feel that treating the depression will take care of the insomnia, but that may be a false assumption. And one has to treat insomnia separately. So, uh, so what you're saying is insomnia can lead to depression and depression can lead to insomnia. And if that's the case, you need to address both separately? Yes. And sometimes it could be challenging. And sometimes it could be challenging. There's a very strong bi-directional relationship that exists out there. Sure, sure. And that's something you do in your practice and you obviously, which I want to get to some of the evaluation treatments, but that's something you deal with. Absolutely. Um, so, so again, I'm constantly exposed to friends in the community. Can you just call in a sleeping medicine, which by the way, my, my friends know not to ask me because I'm going to say no. Um, but let's talk about the role of, uh, of recognizing insomnia and what are the ways you would uh, uh, treat the person and then where would the role of medications come into play and what would be the concerns of medications? So what are the first steps you would start working with someone who has the insomnia? Yeah, a very thorough history is warranted. So we often take history of in terms of sleep time, what are their sleep times during the weekdays, during the weekends, how long it takes for them to fall asleep, how long are the awakenings are for, what are the reasons for awakenings, some of the comorbid conditions, like we mentioned, some of the psychiatric illnesses often coexist with insomnia, prior treatments, the side effects, the drug interactions, and many times we also keep have the people uh, keep the sleep diaries or sleep logs that help them chart their sleep timings and understand the sleep trends and then bring it back to us. And that way we can, it helps us uh, also understand what kind of insomnia is happening. Um, before we get into, uh, again, specifics of insomnia, which I know I'm, I'm chopping at the bit for, for our listeners to hear, from you, what are the general healthy sleep habits that people should start paying attention to, which can help decrease not just insomnia, but uh, other, uh, just even not getting enough sleep, which might be insomnia. So what are the kind of recommendations you give to people from a, a sleep habit type of uh, uh, determination? Insufficient sleep is very common. We ask individuals to obtain seven to nine hours of sleep on a consistent basis. Having a regular sleep-wake time is critical. Having the same time for the bed during the weekdays, during the weekends is going to be very essential, ensuring that the sleep environment is conducive for sleep. It is a cool, dark place. Avoiding electronics right before they go to sure. bed because electronics can emit the blue light, which can suppress the melatonin, which is a sleep hormone. And avoiding naps during the daytime and ensuring if the naps are taken, it should be in short durations, such as 20 minutes or less. 
Um, great advice is again, especially the electronic devices. We look at our phones and we check a message or we check a Twitter and it just burns off the body, the brain's preparation for sleep. So that's something to be avoided. You mentioned melatonin, which is a natural substance produced in the brain to prepare for sleep. Uh, do melatonin tablets or supplements obviate bad sleep habits? Will they, will they be enough if you have all the other bad sleep habits? Yeah, melatonin, we generally prescribe melatonin for somebody who has circadian rhythm disorders. For instance, if somebody is wanting to sleep late and wake up late, that's the time when melatonin may be more effective as compared to somebody who is experiencing difficulty sleeping. However, sometimes melatonin could help in promoting sleep, but more evidence is for people who have circadian rhythm disorders. Right. I get asked that as well. They do terrible things. They they drink a big cup of coffee right before bed and they watch the TV and their room is you know really hot. They say, I'll take a melatonin. How come it's not working? Well, that's not what it's for. And that's not what it's expected. The habits are more important, I think, is uh, that take home point. Um, so now let's talk about insomnia again. Uh, someone comes to you or is referred to you because of true persistent, as we said, difficulty falling asleep, difficulty staying asleep, et cetera. Um, after that initial in-depth assessment, what would you offer someone who you feel has true medical, clinically relevant insomnia? Yeah, we also assess for other comorbid conditions such as the depression or psychiatric illnesses, and but also other sleep disorders could contribute to ins uh, insomnia. So assessing for sleep apnea, restless leg syndrome, circadian rhythm disorders, and if those are present, those need to be adequately assessed and treated. But if there is just pure insomnia, then the first line treatment is often what we call as cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia, which is the CPTI. And what does that entail? I mean, um, why can't you just give me a pill? <laughs> yeah, you know, that's the first line treatment. It is endorsed by many medical guidelines. It is safe. It is effective. It has long-term benefit. So what it entails is it's a multi-component approach that helps an individual recognize the sleep behaviors and beliefs that can negatively affect the sleep. So there are many components to CBTI, what we call as stimulus control, sleep restriction, relaxation therapy, and some teachings about why we sleep. And I think, as you said, it's very effective. Again, people want that quick solution, but arguably to go to a quick solution can have negative consequences, again, like, like medical therapies and side effects and stuff. So if it's able to be improved without jumping to a medication, it might be a little more work at the front end, but it's worth it in the long term. So Again, I think that's the unique aspect that you bring to the bring to the table. Um, are are there as part of that assessment? Um, do you find sometimes patients are taking supplements or uh, nutraceuticals? Are there any that that you see tend to negatively impact sleep, or is that not something you generally um, um, see too often? Yeah, some, so somebody who is experiencing chronic insomnia may self-medicate themselves with the over-the-counter medications um, such as uh, antihistamines, diphenhydramine, uh, melatonin, and other supplements. And sometimes people even take alcohol to help them fall asleep, which is certainly not recommended for insomnia at all. And actually, alcohol initially may help you be a little sleepy, but later on, it has a stimulatory effect. So I love when people say, uh, oh, I really crashed when I was up in the middle of the night. That's actually not uncommon when you, when you drink a lot. Um, how about things that people take that might lead to insomnia? So rather than self-medicating, are there things out there in the community that people, let's talk about caffeine. Is something, is caffeine an issue? Is, is it whether it be 
diet sodas or a coffee or other type I'm sorry, caffeine-related stimulants that people may use for workouts. Do you find there's a correlation there? Absolutely. So caffeine can act as a stimulant and it, it improves the alertness, but at the same time, it could be a common reason why people are not able to sleep well in the, in the night. Sometimes people are on stimulant medications and there are some other medications that could also be associated with insomnia. So therefore, a careful history of the medications is also very important. Okay. Um, again, very helpful. So kind of last questions. So this is obviously um, you're able to um, express um, your passion, your expertise as a sleep medicine specialist dealing with multiple sleep disorders. Why are you now uh, part of a cardiology group? Yeah, you know, sleep disorders have such a strong influence on cardiovascular disorders. Insomnia itself has been linked with so many cardiovascular disorders, such as hypertension, myocardial infarction, and also obstructive sleep apnea, which is a common sleep disorder, is intimately linked with cardiovascular disorders. So it is quite logical for a sleep medicine specialist to be embedded within the Cardiac Institute so they can help identify and optimally treat the sleep disorders and potentially can mitigate some of the cardiovascular risks. Great information. Again, we're fortunate to have you in our system. Um, and we obviously want our listeners to both recognize for themselves and for family members signs that may be missed, that may be affecting theirs and other people's sleep. And again, there are resources available. Uh, any final comments or recommendations or anything you want to uh, reiterate um, um, prior to uh, signing off? Yes, sleep should be a priority in everybody's list. As we talk about diet and exercise, we should also be talking about sleep in the same token and help prioritize sleep. Well, great message. I agree 100%. It's not part of a general history. Uh, we need to continue to uh, educate and be ambassadors for the sleep world. Um, and again, thanks again for your time and your, your expertise. And to our listeners, again, uh, it's always a pleasure to have uh, wonderful, educated um, people as guests. Um, if you have uh, any questions, thoughts, opinions, recommendations for future topics, please email us at baptisthealthtalk at baptisthealth.net. That's baptisthealthtalk at baptisthealth.net. Stay safe, everyone. Mask up. Find additional valuable health and wellness information on our resource blog at baptisthealth.net slash news. And be sure to interact with us on our social media channels for live and upcoming events. This podcast is brought to you by Baptist Health South Florida, healthcare that cares.